0: Hello, my name is Mason, and I'm an attorney, and I'm strongly advising you to listen regularly to the RetroVision podcast, and to please stay away from any similar type of programming that poses a competitive threat to said podcast. The district attorney takes a dim view of disloyalty when it comes to entertainment provided on the World Wide Web. I'm Ed Gross, and this is TV RetroVision, the podcast where we celebrate all our yesterdays today and tomorrow. One of the most recognizable actresses from classic TV is Eleanor Donahue, whose credits span from Father Knows Best to The Andrew Griffith Show, The Odd Couple, a memorable turn on the original Star Trek, and so much more. One of the joys of TV Retrovision is the opportunity to sit down with people like Eleanor and put their fascinating stories out there. In our last episode, she talked about the experience of being part of Father Knows Best and her nervousness going into The Andrew Griffith Show. In the second of our three-part conversation, Eleanor brings us back to her early days as a child actress, and the struggles to stay in front of the cameras. Not that she was coerced to do so, but because it was a means of keeping food on the table and the lights on for both she and her mother. We also talk about her feelings regarding the abrupt ending of Father Knows Best, and the 1977 TV movie, The Father Knows Best Reunion, which became a real-life reunion for the cast as well. Oh, and please excuse some of the sound quality of this interview, as it was recorded prior to our doing a podcast
1: the end of the first year I asked to be let out of my contract because I didn't feel that I was playing the role properly. I just didn't feel right about it. And uh, in retrospect uh, from things that people have said to me very lovely things um yes i was doing okay <laughs> yeah. but uh, i I, w- I was just not a happy camper and it, it, there was no point in my trying to continue with it so
0: well andy griffith supposedly was like felt that you know he wasn't comfortable in a romantic relationship with somebody that's what i've read in books and stuff that he, yeah
1: they he- and they also said that uh, and and i went up and apologized to him one time later on after I was married to Harry Ackerman we had the same business manager right. and I saw him at a party and I went mm, yeah I would better go up and say something and I went up you know and uh, he, he was very gracious to me and his manager was with him uh Dick Link. and he said we just didn't know how to write for you and um, that that could have been part of it I don't I there was no I didn't think there was any real chemistry there and Fortunately, later on, when Anita... And they tried a lot of other women, you know, yeah, yeah. episodically. Uh, when Anita Corso came in, I have since read that they... They had a hot and heavy going on Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he was able to relate. Yeah, well, there you go. (laughs) And that worked very nicely. (laughs) Was (laughs) that a fun show for
0: you? It was Uh, good. Despite that, the limitation, was it not fun because of that? Because it's such an endearing, endeared show. People love it so much, the Andrew Griffith
1: Show. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going through uh, not only just not feeling comfortable and feeling sort of oh like the bird out of the nest yeah um my personal life was in a a bit of a fritz as well and uh i just I, i there comes a time when you have to step back and take care of yourself yeah you know and get get your life in order and it was the right thing for me to do it really was because it it isn't like my career ended Huh. Um, I was able to have a the life that I chose, and and had a wonderful, wonderful life uh, with um, uh, the wife of Harry Ackerman, and and uh, I had been married briefly to Dick Smith, and had one son, uh, Brian, and he adopt Mr. Ackerman adopted Brian, and uh, we had three more sons of our own, and um, it was uh, you know a wonderful life, and I could work kind of when I wanted to which is very nice I didn't you know have to hustle for work as I had had to as a child and uh, so
0: it was it was extremely pleasant you you mentioned that before about the child and having to work and that was the problem well I'm I'm not I'm honestly not trying to pry here I'm just curious though was it a tough childhood that you had to sort of become emancipated that you had to work that you had to earn money and all that stuff sure
1: yeah okay. yeah my mother uh, my mother uh worked but she had been a uh, a housewife and um you know didn't have skills right uh she she had married at fifteen in nineteen something yeah. and she was a housewife you know a mommy sure and i have brother and sister who were grown when i was born um and we i i don't really know because i was only five six years old um exactly what whole deal was, but we were sent to California for my mother's health, supposedly. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, right. there we were. and uh, But there wasn't much being sent in the way of uh, help from, from Washington State. Yeah, I've heard various things, that he was withholding things so that mother would come home. That wasn't the story that I got. So I don't know what the story was. So this is a long way around of telling you that, yes, it was very difficult. So my mother worked at the only thing she knew how to do. And she worked at an ice cream parlor. Mm -hmm. uh, And she made the best ice cream sodas you'd ever wanted.
0: I'll bet she did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And she could sew so she worked for a costumer and then for a brief time she worked at the May Company which was a a, a department store in the wrapping department because she could wrap packages that were just Gorgeous, always, nice. all my life. She could do that, right. and she made all my costumes when I was in Vaudeville, when I was a, a tiny baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she, her sewing thing. But she could make in a month what I would make in a week, even with the salaries as they were in the forties. Uh, if I made one hundred and twenty-five dollars for a week's work, she it would take her a month to make that. Sure. And in the in the laws of those days, uh, they're different now the laws of those days when you worked on a movie set, a parent had to be with you. It didn't have to be your mother. Right. But it had to be a mother or a father. Well since I didn't have a father with me, there was only mother. She can't work and be with me while I'm acting, so it's a no brainer. Are you gonna go for the hundred and twenty five dollars or are you gonna go for the fifty, you know? Um and the one time she said, Do you want to go back home? Do you wanna give this up? And this is in all honesty, I gave her the answer that I thought she wanted, which was no. I want to stay here.
0: But I'm you not did want sure to go back, that huh? that
1: was the. Hmm?
0: You did want to go back to Washington? State I don't River? know whether
1: I did or not. Okay. I know I gave her the answer that I thought she wanted. Right. Uh, I and I don't know. I really don't know. That's. You mean when you're seven years old and you're asked a, a question like that? That's heavy. Um. Yeah. So uh, you know, you you look to your parent, you look in their eyes, and I what. What does she want me to say? Right. And I, though I didn't have any great, you know, crying need to go home. Uh, we'd been alone by then long enough, you right. know, that I, I, you know, it was, it, it was certainly not unusual in show business to have had a childhood like that. There are many, many stories very oh, similar, sure. and I'm not trying to make it out like it's, uh, um, little orphan Annie, or something. No, th- not, it doesn't
0: come so, across that no. way. It doesn't come across that yeah. way.
1: Yeah, it ju- it was, it, but it was tough. It, it, it was it was no uh, no walk in the park. But uh, someone else asked me the other day if it was rough, and I was saying yes. There were times when my my mother used to stand at the stove and and uh, cook dinner, and uh, she'd say to me, "Eat, eat, eat," and I'd say, "Well, aren't you going to sit down and eat?" She said, "I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry." Well there wasn't enough food. Wow! So she wanted me to eat first, and what I didn't eat, she would eat the leftovers. And uh, uh, so, you know, those were the times. I mean, and I didn't work uh, week in and week out. I had a contract at Universal when I was first down here uh, in California. Uh, Mr. Big was the first movie I did in 1940. Forty, I think it was released in forty-three, but we made it in forty-two. Okay. Um, and uh, but then my contract was dropped after a year or so because the man who had put me under contract for Universal died, and all of his people were dropped. Wow! And uh, so I did, a cu- I did a couple, couple of movies: Mister Big and Bowery to Broadway, which was very good. Then I was, uh, you know, a has been at seven.
0: <laughs> Which is insane, isn't it? I mean, seven seriously. Half, half even whatever. say those words. I was a husband at seven. It
1: didn't really work again <laughs> until I was almost eight and a half or nine. Uh-huh. So that's when mother started working at the ice cream parlor.
0: Right. Wow. No, it's, it's, it is. But it doesn't. It, does, it sounds like you weren't one of those kids, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you weren't a kid who was taken advantage of financially, like you worked and everyone took your money. No, no, uh-uh. Thank uh-uh. God for that, no. seriously. No, no, no.
1: We, we used it, believe yeah, me. Yeah, right, you needed you know, it. Alive, we used right? it. And when I was under contract to MGM, the, um, the laws were very strict, and you had to go down and have your contract approved in Los Angeles in front of a judge. And because of the Coogan Law, Yes, uh, you had to, the mothers or parents had to keep a um, uh, an accounting of where where the monies went, right. and my mother was scrupulous about it. I mean, yes. absolutely, she never spent a, a penny that wasn't accounted for, and uh, now she was she was very good. And she wasn't one of those standing by the camera, waving her hand, saying "Smile, baby, smile." You know, it wasn't she'd be way way off in the corner somewhere. She was. She was a good a good mother the acting i always enjoyed it mm-hmm. uh very much being you know in the camera and and up until the time i retired and even past the time that i retired when i still kept working i enjoy you know it's uh it's the only thing i really know how to do sure uh outside of the home and uh, step away from it no problem i mean i don't it's it, it's like um, let's say you're 14 years old or 15 and you're in a drama class at school and you say this this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Right. I didn't have that decision to make. it was sort of more or less thrust on me and uh, uh, I had fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Don't regret us you know a second of it. I could have been better in some things than I was, but I you know did did my best and enjoyed it um, but I could step away from it very easily yeah. and
0: did when you started when you first went in front of a camera or danced or whatever it may be was that your decision or were you encouraged to do so because you showed some talent
1: it I think the latter um, I were sort of running running the whole life back it, it gets it almost when I think about it yeah. it sounds like I'm making it all up <laughs> because it sounds so unbelievable yeah. um, as I said my brother and sister were adults when I was My brother was 21, and my sister was 18 and a half. Um, He was a musician, and she had been a dancer. And we had a piano in the house. And so, in order to keep me occupied, because I was one of those children that was kind of talkative and running around and all, and getting into everything, uh, when I was 10 months old, um, they started teaching me songs. So, uh, for an hour or so, while mother could, they said. He, she would say, "Please entertain her. Do something. You know, yeah. <laughs> get her out of my hair while I cook dinner." And uh, so I, I learned things like Miss Otis regrets, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps inappropriate for a baby, but uh, all the all the songs of the of the thirties. Right. And uh, then, when I was eighteen months old, getting into everything as, as children are apt to, my sisters former dance teacher said bring the baby down i was always called the baby bring the baby down and let's stick her in the back of a class and let her jump around and she'll get tired and maybe she'll sleep better and sleep longer at night right so they did and put me in the back of the class no tap shoes or anything just you know go in there and wear yourself out (laughs) well by the time i was two years old i had picked up four tap routines wow now i could sing and tap dance and I was only two years old. That's amazing. In the building where the dance... Do you still want me to go on? Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I love it, please. If you don't <laughs> mind talking to me, I love having the conversation, so please.
1: In the building where the dance studio was in downtown Tacoma was a radio station uh, of the Seattle station, KOMO, and there was a show on Saturday morning it was called Youth Makes a Record, and the people that ran the show had heard about this little girl that sang and danced. So, uh, I went on one time to sing, just as an oddity, and I stood on a chair and sang. And, uh, to make a long story short, I stayed with the show for two or three years. Wow. And, uh, uh, I, I got my social security card when I was 19, in 1939. It has the number right on it. I've kept it. <laughs> and, uh, I had to <laughs> and then from there you know where it was, uh, 1939 the, the army shows you know where I would go and do camp shows mm-hmm. and I would sing and dance and somebody saw me at one of those camp shows and the booking agent for the Burt Levy circuit in Seattle uh, had an appointment with my mother and father to bring me in to talk about going on the stage uh, so we all did and I did and I played uh, Yakima, and Seattle, and some other place, I can't remember.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, right, yeah. It, then it gets all kind of muddy, you sure. know, six shows a day, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it blends and, together But for sure. I was only
1: like four, four years old, five years old. Right. And then, then we came to California, and then I went back up, and that's when I did Seattle, and I was supposed to go to Vancouver to do the Palomar Theater in Vancouver, and when I came down with Chicken Pox. and mother said this is just too hard for her we're not going to do this anymore and we came back to California but so that that was my my and to answer your question did I make was it a decision or was it thrust upon me I guess it was thrust upon me but it was it was like, isn't this what everybody
0: does? You know right. what I'm saying? Sure, because what you grow up with is what you're used to and what seems normal, no matter what.
1: Uh-huh. uh-huh. Right. yeah. I mean, yeah, I've had that myself.
0: Yeah. My wife will sometimes look at me, especially when I say, you do what? And it's like, well, that's what we did in our house.
1: <laughs> they, um, at one point, somebody said, you know, she's got to go to school. If she's going to be, you know, up here. And mother was wiffle-waffling about staying in Washington, I guess, or somebody was. Hmm. And uh, so they sent me to uh, preschool or kindergarten, I guess it was called and um bless their hearts there are you know i had i had costumes for these numbers that i did and they were pretty elaborate sequins and all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. and uh musical charts you know where you lay them out and so the orchestra picks up their pieces and and rehearses them before you the first show of the week right. and uh, a, a pretty sophisticated um setup for me and i went in and they wanted to sing a song, you know, put your right foot in, put your left foot up, whatever <laughs> okay, you pokey. <know>, <laughs> shake it all about. And they said, Mary Eleanor, Mary Eleanor, come on and learn this song. And I thought to myself, I felt like I was like 40 years old. I thought, are you out of your mind? <laughs> 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 are you kidding, you people? <laughs> That's so funny. But I was a good sport. I went in and did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went home and said, you know, I don't think this is for me. So I didn't have to go
0: anymore. And so that started the California journey, basically. And there you are on that path <laughs> once you get there. <laughs> yes, you yeah. Know, you know, yeah. You know, I wonder something about, you mentioned that before about the radio actress uh, who played uh, Betty uh, auditioning uh, for the show. Back then, since radio was so big, was there any, uh, this may be sound stupid, but is there any trepidation in the sense of, here's this big radio show, Father Knows Best, and now they're turning into a TV show, and the fact of trying to take the radio show... And turned it into a TV show, or was that not considered a big deal at the time?
1: I don't think it was considered a big deal. Okay, I honestly don't. And if it was, I wasn't privy to it. You know, I was just a hiree, okay. basically. Right. You know, it was uh, it, that's that was something for Mister Rodney and and uh, Robert Young to worry about. Um, but no, I don't think so. Okay, and there was always good feelings between um, uh, our radio counterparts, and I I used to feel kind of guilty when I would run into the woman and I didn't meet her until many years later and she said don't you give it another thought she said I was in my 20s when I was right. playing that that part there was no way <laughs> <laughs> you were going to be able to going to be able to
0: do that on TV yeah
1: right and uh, Ted Donaldson played bud and uh, he and I were were kind of friends because we lived in the same neighborhood in hollywood and we'd see each other and i was crazy about ted donaldson but he was he was kind of not right for he was an awfully good actor but he wasn't really right to play bud he was didn't look anything like robert young or jane white he had red hair and freckles and and, uh had a, a kind of handsomely goofy look he was he was just wonderful and uh, the little girl that played Kathy uh, who, she was playing like 8 years old but she was like 16 oh jeez and just gorgeous just yeah. drop dead gorgeous so that's so funny uh, she she wasn't right to play Kathy and that's why she uh, she auditioned tested for uh, the role of Betty and I'm really surprised she didn't get it I mean
0: she was awfully awfully good well let's be glad she and, didn't uh, <laughs> 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 I am too alright good <laughs> Yeah, I read about the radio show today. It's funny. It said that the Jim Anderson character was much more sarcastic on the radio show than he was on the T V show. And but there's one moment where Robert Young, it stands out to me and never went away all my life, and my wife and I use it all the time. Uh, there's a point where Bud does something really particularly stupid, and Robert Young looks at him and goes, You know, I wish I'd gotten to know you before I met your mother. <laughs> That's so good.
1: <laughs> I think the same writers that wrote the show uh, for radio are, wrote it for television as well. Oh, really? And uh, for a long time, we used, recycled some of the radio shows uh, and rewrote them for television. Because I remember Robert Young saying, this is, uh, this is a radio line, this is a radio line, um, when we'd have oh, our, our table read yeah. in the morning. You know, because on radio you're saying, uh, "Hand me that cup of coffee, would you, Margaret?" You know, because right. then the, the sound man goes clickety clickety click. Yeah. Uh, but on television, you don't have to say, "Hand me that cup of." You know, you just she's going to hand him a cup of coffee, so you don't have to say it. Oh yeah. Um, so the, I I do remember that, and and uh, sometimes they they were, it was pretty obvious in the first year, I think, <laughs> that they were mostly the radio
0: shows. Sure probably easier, easy to get going, especially when you have to do 39 shows a year, it's like, sure. okay, we've got radio scripts, let's use those. <laughs> <laughs> sure, <laughs> absolutely. Sure. You, know, you, you talked earlier, too, about the way you found out that the show wasn't coming back anymore, was there any feeling of, I mean, I, I look at it from today's perspective, and back then maybe you didn't, but I would have been, like, annoyed that Robert Young or Jane White never said anything, that they just decided to leave and without saying anything. Yeah. Uh- a little, but I wasn't annoyed. I
1: was sad. Yeah. I was disappointed, and it was years before we actually saw each other again. It really? wasn't. It was. Wasn't until we did the first reunion show that we all got back together. And I had always thought that it was only Mister Young that wanted to stop. Uh, and Jane Wyatt and I became very dear friends in her the later part of her life. Yeah and uh after the second reunion show we never stopped not being good friends and yeah. seeing one another fairly frequently and she told me that, that they they
0: made the decision together and i thought oh you too huh? yeah, <laughs> okay now put her on my list okay <laughs> <laughs> we thought first of all the appeal of father knows best what was it about the show do you think that makes it stand up that people still remember it so
1: i think the sweetness and the kindness that that the people had to toward one another it's uh it has a, a warmth and an energy, a loving energy to mm-hmm. it. It that, that was very
0: special. Okay, that works. Except for when Jim told off Bud. I wish I got to know you before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. I'm only kidding. It's one line out of, like, all those seasons.
1: Uh, but to- a little tough love is okay, that's right. you know? It's but a great it was line. Always, kidding? And, and the corrections were always... Thoughtful. They were always yes. meant. They weren't mean. No, no mean spiritedness to it. And if there, if you know, if anybody was mean spirited, I think it was uh, Princess. Occasionally, would get a little. She was always <laughs> on a crusade of some sort yeah, and she kind was, of huffy she? about everything. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I Toward the toward the end of the series, she mellows a bit. There yeah. was a period, um, but that was, I think, pretty normal for a teenager. I was to say that Betty Anderson was my alter ego because I was the, the least out, outward going person that you'd ever want to meet. You know, I'd oh, rather okay. hang on the in the background and not say anything. Um, but she was; she'd be
0: right up there. Oh, she'd be in your face. Were the reunion movies fun? You did the two of those. Yeah, you did enjoy those. Yes, yes, I did. You say that very warmly, seriously. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, she was, uh, it was. it was quite fun. I think there was great trepidation when we first had our, our reading. And uh, you could just sense it. Uh, Billy and I were very um, tentative about the whole thing. We said, I don't know how this is going to work. And we sat down and we read, read it through once, and it was as though the years had flown by. That really? Nothing was any different. It was wonderful. It just felt so comfortable. And it didn't feel like we were going backward. It felt like we'd come forward. And we'd brought everything that we were, everything that we had been through, each of us, to our characters now. You know, we all looked at each other, and it was like a huge sigh of relief, and everybody kind of... Smiled. Some smiled bigger than others, but everybody smiled. Was like, ah, oh. right. Okay, let's read it through one more time. You know, and we and just everybody relax and have a good time. And it was just wonderful. We really, really loved it.
0: Less enjoyable for Eleanor was the follow-up reunion film. Father knows best. Home for Christmas, which NBC would only allow her one day to shoot on, as she was on another project for the network. And this, despite both were for NBC. In any case, please join us for the third and final chapter of our talk with Eleanor in which she reflects on her experiences on The Andy Griffith Show, Star Trek, and The Odd Couple. In the meantime, please check out our other podcast, Voices from Krypton, which is devoted to the superhero and sci-fi genres. All episodes of the show and TV Retrovision can be found at VoicesFromKrypton.net. We hope you subscribe to this podcast, tell your friends about us, and give us a five-star review. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.